trail work is an art. Trail building is an art. It's not, you know, it's not landscaping. It's not, you know, Joe Schmo's grading company going out and trying to fix something. We've had this problem recently and trying to convince the, the municipality leadership that the people they're contracting with do not know what they're doing. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Episode 95 features Susie Murphy, the executive director of the San Diego Mountain Bike Association and a founding board member of the California Mountain Bike Coalition. As you could imagine, we talked about all the successes and challenges with running a trail organization in Southern California. Susie also goes into what the California Mountain Bike Coalition is all about in the second half of the show, so this is a two-for-one conversation. I'd like to take a moment to thank all the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Effect episodes on their social media accounts such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn along with tagging Trail Effect in their posts. This has helped more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all the sharing, commenting, and tagging of Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the Trail Effect with Susie Murphy. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Susie Murphy, the Executive Director of the San Diego Mountain Bike Association. How's it going today, Susie? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's probably a little bit cooler where I'm at than where you're at, but all is good. Probably, but we're getting a little chill in the morning, in the morning air. (laughs) Well, let's get into your backstory and kind of how that relates to your role with the Executive Director of the San Diego Mountain Bike Association. Yeah, well, I'm a native San Diegan, born and raised, uh, grew up in La Mesa, Rode my bike around the hills of La Mesa into canyons that don't really exist anymore because there's houses. But I um, have done a lot of different things in my life. I'm an art history major, which obviously prepared me for being a trail advocate and working on land management stuff. So obvious pathway. But I have been in this position for seven years and uh, it's been a ride. I, you know, you have to learn a lot about a place you've grown up in and learning so many new things and going to places that um, I had never been my whole life in San Diego County, which is one of the great things about it uh, is learning how everything can connect or should connect or, you know, can be a vision of how things might connect together someday. And then also just running a nonprofit, right? That on its own, no matter what the mission of the nonprofit is, is a, is a, is a lot of work. Uh, The fundraising, you know, dealing with a board, with members and volunteers and communications and all the things that go with the nonprofit. So uh, I've learned a lot and we've grown a lot. So I feel like I've, uh, you know, we're making some inroads. It's a challenge, but I think we've, I think I'm happy with what we've done so far. Let's get into the structure of how the uh, SDMBA operates. I know you obviously you're the executive director, which is a paid position. Um, you guys have a trails coordinator, a communications and marketing person, and I believe you just hired a trail specialist. Let's kind of go into that for organizations that are thinking about diving into that end of a nonprofit. Yeah, it's a big step for any small, you know, up and coming trail organization to hire their first person. So uh, when I was hired seven years ago, that was like a, you know, probably two year ramp up for them to, for the board to think that way and to you know, squirrel some money away and, and make that happen. Uh, and now there are four of us. Uh, so Ben Stone is our full-time trails coordinator. He's been in the job um, about six years now. Very knowledgeable, very skilled uh, at many different things. Uh, a man of many hats. 
And then our uh, Alex, our communications and marketing person who we hired about a year ago, which has been a game changer for all of us just in uh, dividing up all that work. And then we just hired uh, Daniel as a trail specialist. Uh, he's coming to us from uh, Santa Cruz, where he's been up for a year doing amazing work. So we're happy to, he's from Chula Vista, so where I live, happy to have him home working with us. So that's our staff, our paid staff. We have a board of, that can take up to 11 people. And so we have monthly board meetings and we have committees that work on events and uh, we have trail liaisons in certain areas where an individual volunteer is really passionate about an area near where they live. Like say, for example, Daly Ranch, uh, we have a trail liaison there who's doing amazing work with the city of Escondido. And so that model, I mean, San Diego County is a big place, a big, big place, and we can't cover it all on our own. So having the volunteer trail liaisons in positions to have regular communication with the land managers, with our support from behind for resources and, you know, setting up volunteer work days and providing tools and, you know, snacks and beverages and things like that is uh, always great. But that's the model that I think works uh, is having those on the ground people who are out there riding two or three times a week in an area and they see everything and they know the people. Uh, and then with our support from behind, that, that seems to be what really works when we can find the right people to do that volunteer job. So that's kind of, the, that's kind of how it works. Um, I just work out of my spare bedroom, don't have an office. I'm either here or out in the field or in the bushes somewhere. So, <laughs> Well, we definitely have something in common there because right now I'm working out of my spare bedroom as well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you just mentioned how San Diego is a rather large county. And for those that haven't been to San Diego, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time in San Diego, although it's been a couple of decades now, it seems like. Well, it actually really has been a couple of decades now. <laughs> But let's get a breakdown of, of kind of how San Diego County is laid out in terms of what you guys do for trail systems and then, you know, kind of illustrate how it is difficult to do what you do due to the vast amount of development, right? Yes. Um, well, it is Southern California. <laughs> so those that live here know how expensive things are how the communities um, have sprawled out from the urban centers, uh, sometimes being well-planned and most of the time not being very well-planned as far as connectivity and, uh, you know, micro-mobility, accessibility, any of that transportation kind of stuff. Uh, it can be very disconnected in LA or Orange County or, or San Diego. So that being said, the thing that, SDMBA does is we work with the key is working with all the different land managers and creating quality relationships and and cultivating those relationships to build trust so that they understand our capabilities and, and our expertise and how we can help their uh, overworked and underpaid staffs to actually make the trails better. So we work with federal, state and local jurisdictions and agencies probably over 20 uh, of those entities. So uh, a quick rundown from the top down would be federal is uh, U.S. Forest Service and U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And then state is California State Parks and uh, California Department of Fish and Wildlife. And then the county of San Diego, which is uh, massive and, and really good at a lot of stuff that they do. Uh, they manage uh, trails and open spaces as well. And then down to uh, the city of San Diego, uh, and then all the smaller jurisdictions, uh, Escondido, San Marcos, Encinitas, uh, Chula Vista, on and on. And then we have some of the smaller uh, sort of conservation groups or land managers who are uh, managing lands for other entities. So uh, like the Escondido Creek Conservancy, for example, um, or Center for Natural Lands Management, which manages La Costa up in, um, you know, Encinitas, Elfin Forest area, uh, a couple of water districts, Elfin Forest, rec areas, Leave and Hain Water District. So it's a lot. The list goes on and on. And uh, we just try to keep those lines of communication open, again, between our staff, but also with our trail liaisons that I mentioned on the ground uh, that are there all the time. Uh, and so we uh, have 
regular calls set up with those certain entities, whether it's monthly or quarterly, uh, we attempt to, if those entities have a community-based um, group, such as a citizens advisory committee or a trails committee, we try to make sure to keep an eye on those committees. And if there's a vacancy, we try to get mountain bikers into those positions. So they're going to those meetings regularly. Uh, we keep an eye on uh, the county board agendas, on certain city agendas when we know things are coming up that pertain to land use or open space or parks. Um, bike parks have been a big thing. So we've kind of been keeping, you know, keeping uh, in our hand in on park planning uh, so that bike parks can get inserted into those plans as well. That's a lot. I'm sure people are glazed over by now, but uh, it, it's a lot to keep track of. <laughs> that is a lot. And how much of that are you doing specifically or how much of that work is kind of divvied out between you and say, I would assume the trails coordinator. Yeah. I mean, as far as like keeping track of the, the what's going on with different open spaces of land. We both kind of uh, divide that up in a way, just depending on what the, if it's purely like a policy thing or general park planning, like I kind of put my hand in on that, on the bike park stuff. Uh, and then Ben, if it's a real trail thing or trail planning, mapping, uh, master trails plans, like that's ben, Ben's a GIS map person as well. So he he's more of the map guy going on the field and actually, you know, looking at stuff. And so we kind of divided it just based on what the skill set is. Um, and then many of our, the trail liaisons have uh, a lot of skills uh, in those areas as well. So it just, it just depends on the area and, and who we have plugged in in that area and what their skills are. But we always, if one of our liaisons happens to set up a meeting with, uh, you know, a parks and rec manager or a senior ranger, they'll say, hey, you know, I'm having this meeting, but I don't need you, or I'm having this meeting and I do need you, depending on the situation. So it's, it's always, um, you know, just what strategically is the best decision for the area and the land manager. Speaking of the trail liaisons, is there, do you have certain requirements in terms of like training and, and expertise to become a trail liaison besides the fact that you're obviously really interested in trails and, and mountain biking? You know what, the main thing really, we have people who have had backgrounds in either working for a city government or an agency. So they kind of understand the opportunities and constraints there. But it, it can be somebody who's just really passionate about the area and has the time and the will to uh, be patient enough to work through and develop the relationship and try to plan the work. So it's not for everybody. It's not like, you know, poof, you're a liaison, here's a shovel, like go at it. That's not how it works, obviously. So we have to explain that to people sometimes because it is a time commitment. It's a, a long-term, you know, I'd like to think if we cultivate someone, they, they're in there for, you know, at least two or three, if not, you know, six or seven years, really, because that's the time frame we're looking at to really get work done. So it just depends. I mean, a passion for the area, living close, riding there all the time, the willingness to kind of connect the dots. And that is is really the main the main thing. So, yeah, it just depends. But we have some amazing people looking for looking for uh, certain individuals that have those skills to, to cover some areas that we have that are vacant right now. And we're gonna be working on that um, in November a little bit to do some recruitment. You gotta find the right person with the, the right sensibility um, and the passion for sure. Backing up a little bit on your history of being a lifetime San Diego resident <laughs> and mountain biker since the mid nineties, how have you, how would you characterize the growth of mountain biking and access in San Diego from, you know, when you started to where you are today? Oh, well, uh, I would say I started writing, uh, yeah, in the early nineties, uh, before my daughter was born a little bit cause my husband was writing a lot. So I just kind of tagged along and then he was getting really heavy, really serious into it. And we were living in Ocean Beach, which isn't, you know, not a mountain bike mecca, but we would, you know, go up to the mountains to Laguna or we would go out to Mission Trails or, you know, drive different places to go ride. And of course, early on, I wasn't really thinking about, you know, oh, these are trails. These are cool. Like I wasn't I wasn't involved at all. And then 
we got involved being volunteers up at Cuyamaca State Park because they we had another friend that was doing it. They had a mountain bike assistance unit, like a patrol. And so we kind of signed up for that mostly because they had kind of cool jerseys. And we could drop the kids off at my mom's and go say, oh, we have to go ride in Cuyamaca. It's our volunteer work. So it sounded like, you know, <laughs> it sounded good. Uh, so I learned a lot as I got involved with state parks and how, um, you know, the rangers worked with the volunteers. And, and so that was kind of my first foray into that. As far as to how things have changed from then until now, I would say that overall, there are definitely more mountain bikers out uh, than ever before. Um, I would say, you know, there was some kind of a plateau before COVID, but now, as everybody knows, like after COVID, there's just so many more new riders on all different kinds of bikes, uh, which is great. It's a whole new audience for us, but there's a lot of people who have a lot to learn about just being outside. As far as like, if there's been like an increase in access or a decrease in access, I mean, if I had to quantify it, it's, I'd probably say access has increased some because there are definitely places where mountain bikes were not allowed before or were going before. And they are now just from uh, trying to get people out to new places that they may not have known about. Like, so for example, somebody from North County coming down to ride uh, in Chula Vista or, you know, Otay Valley or somewhere in South Bay, right? Or out at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Refuge. That's cool, right? If they're only riding Elfin Forest and Hodges all the time, um, it's great to educate them and say, hey, look, there's all these other places you could ride. Like I live in Chula Vista. I ride all over the place. I go to North County and I know, you know, gas is expensive. I get it. Everybody wants to be able to ride quality trails from their house. That's always the goal, but it can be difficult um, in places. But I'd say overall, if you really quantified it out in 20 years, 30 years, there's definitely been an increase in mountain bike usage and in the quality and, and mileage, just the quantity of trails that people can ride. And the vision that certain people have had over those decades, as far as, even though it's very slow, master trails plans, regional trails like the Costa Crest Trail or the San Diego River Trail, that work was started decades ago, and the gaps in those trans county trails are slowly, slowly being worked on, which is really exciting. So, yeah, I'll stop there. But I, I think there's been an increase in access, but it's slow. So, living where you're at, what would you uh, what would you characterize as your like favorite kind of go to area or trail system in San Diego County? Well, I our gem really is Mount Laguna. So that's Cleveland National Forest. So people may have heard of Noble Canyon, which is our big shuttle ride. You know, it's almost 11 miles down. Uh, a lot of people shuttle it. But the, the trails up around the top, around the meadow area and the campgrounds, you can link together, you know, a short family ride or up to 20 miles meandering up and around the trees. And it's, you know, it's like real mountains, real single track, meadows, uh, seasonal lakes pine trees. It's gorgeous. And so that's an hour from my door. And it's great to have such a special place that's a national forest uh, so close to a lot of places. And then I'm lucky enough to be able to ride from my door in West Chula Vista up the street and hit some of the local canyons. And we've had some success with the city of Chula Vista uh, there. I was probably going to talk about that a little later, but you know, not everybody's lucky enough to be able to hit the dirt from their house. Although San Diego is made up, as you may remember, of, you know, these canyons. Most of these like east to west running canyons. Some are very tiny, like the ones in City Heights. And here in Chula Vista, they're kind of, you know, medium-ish small canyons. And then you get up into, you know, obviously Mission Valley is one of those canyons, but unfortunately it got paved over with freeways and shopping centers. Uh, but then north, you know, Penisquitos Canyon luckily was was preserved as an open space. And that's a treasure as well. So many people live around, uh, we call it PQ for short, and can dump in and ride 30 miles if they wanted to, connecting all those trails together, or ride all the way to Poway from there, Black Mountain to Poway. Somebody decades ago had a vision that that open space should be connected. And thank goodness they did. Same thing up with Lake Hodges and San Diego River Valley. 
you know, that I was just talking to somebody the other day. They're like, can you imagine if those canyons were developed like Mission Valley? Like, so sometime, even lot 40, 50 years ago, somebody had a vision that that stuff shouldn't be built in some of those canyons. So thank goodness for that. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to some of your current projects that you have going on. I know you, I know you talked about, you talked about some grants that you were, you know, prepping to get, get submitted and whatnot, but let's talk about more of a kind of a bigger picture. What, you know, what you have going on for current projects, because you have those listed on your website. And I think that's a really key component of your website. Yeah, it is. Um, There's more that need to be added there. Uh, We just like to make sure that when we, we have so many projects that are kind of in various stages of planning, some in their infancy, some coming to maturity. I'm always of the school. I like to, you know, under promise and over serve. So we don't want to jump the gun on things that are still kind of being negotiated. So there's a lot more than just as what on the, the website, but I'll say like, as far as big things that are going on right now that are going to get um, some shovels in the ground and work done this winter, which we do um, most of our trail work in the winter, which is opposite of some other places in the country for obvious reasons. But we, we work when it's a little cooler, when um, hopefully there's some moisture in the ground. And so we're just coming into our busy season uh, right now. We have been working on a lot of projects with the city of San Diego. And we worked really hard during COVID when we weren't allowed to do like any volunteer work and, you know, all of that, again, for obvious reasons. Uh, We worked on some agreements with the city, some paperwork that allows us to actually take on more responsibility and, and do some bigger projects with the city, which involves running. We have a mini excavator, a Bobcat E20, uh, which is super cool. And so the work that we've done to lay a foundation to allow us as a nonprofit to have everything we need to run heavy equipment on a project is a game changer, right? Just a game changer. So that has been building up for the last uh, couple of years. And we've been doing uh, work in Penisquitos, uh, and there's more of this coming. Like all of this is multi year things. So trail improvements in Penisquitos in the Tri Canyons area. So, like Rose Canyon, Marion Bear, Claremont Canyons. Uh, as far as just trail tread uh, improvement, erosion control, some rerouting, several bridges. People love bridges. And so there's some really terrible ones in town that have been there for way too long and they're very janky. So we've been trying to work on uh, replacing some of those bridges, which the city just, bless their hearts, they just don't have the staff or really the expertise or the time to plan, even if it's a small little bridge like just over a culvert, like they just don't see it as a, as important, but uh, we've made some headway on, on those urban Canyon bridges and more of that to come this year. And we have ongoing work up at Mount Laguna with the Cleveland national forest. We probably our liaison and, and dedicated crew up there, all volunteers uh, probably do at least two work days a month, even all the way through the summer, as far as trimming, and taking care of downed trees with the Forest Service. Uh, They're all, you know, a bunch of them are chainsaw certified. So just the maintenance of keeping the trails clear is is huge. So that regular work uh, is ongoing, but then we've been doing some rehabbing of some really favorite trails uh, up there that are really well loved. Uh, And we have more of that coming this winter. I think our liaison already has a couple of dates posted for November and December. And, and there's just, there's going to be more of that. And I can talk about our larger plan up there with um, Mount Laguna as well. We have crews down here in Chula Vista working on trails, Florida Canyon. If you remember Florida Canyon, dear Florida Canyon and Balboa Park is, is also a gem, but also needs so much work. And so we finally made some inroads with the city to do some work at Florida Canyon uh, this winter, which is a huge, huge deal for us. It's very visible, right? It's very um, sort of semi-political because it's Balboa Park. And, um, but we just, we need to get some work done on the ground so people can see what can happen. 
as far as just protecting those trails from the terrible erosion that happens in the wintertime. So those are kind of, there's more, but I'll, I'll stop there. But plenty to keep us busy and keep us off the streets. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And when I was, when I was doing a little bit of research for this, I noticed that you guys were awarded a trail accelerator grant from IMBA mm. and we're yeah. working with Chris Orr on that. How is that yes. going? And, and kind of what are some of the details that you can share on that? Yeah, so we got that a couple of years ago, and it was for Daily Ranch up in Escondido, which the city of Escondido manages Daily Ranch. They've never had the ability or the staff or anything to really do any trails planning, a master trails plan. And the place has so much potential. It's beautiful, it's pretty accessible for people. Escondido has a huge population. It's, um, you know, some, it's multi-use, there's horseback riders, there's trail runners and hikers and family walkers and, and mountain bikers. And so the trails that are there are really impacted. There's a lot of old ranch roads because it was a ranch. And a lot of those are just um, kind of environmental nightmares, to be honest, just horrible fall line dirt roads that really just need to be closed and re rehabilitated. So we applied for the IMBA Trail Accelerator Grant, which uh, provides, uh, can provide for trail planning, right? Not just digging shovels in the ground right away, but all the planning and mapping and, and research and on the ground, you know, ground truthing and all that stuff. So the IMBA Trail Solutions team has been out to Escondido several times, and we're getting almost to the point where the trails plan that they've been uh, working on, which comes to you as a the deliverable as a document with maps and then it has all the shape files and things for the mapic as well which we can share with the city and and implementing a plan like that is a another whole round of fundraising uh multi-year project to build new trails to close roads down to trails do restoration work you know sign new you know comprehensive signage all of that so we're almost to the point where the trails plan is is about finished and so we're hoping you know in the next few months that'll be done and then we can start with the process of figuring out what the priorities are in that plan and then figuring out how we're going to implement them so it's a huge deal it's a huge pull for a city of escondido and as with a lot of projects we've had to deal with staff changes so we had a, a you know a head ranger up there who was really enthused about the project and he moved on a few months ago. So now we have a new person and he, he's been very helpful and willing to listen. And, but you have to catch that new person up to speed so that they can buy in and understand why uh, and the need. Uh, we installed trail counters more than a year ago at the three main entrances to Daly. And within the first couple of months when we got the data, it was showing Almost 30,000 people annually are accessing the three entry points, with one being way more popular, but that's why the staging area is always like overflowing. And the city was shocked. They had no idea at the numbers that were really coming through those gates. So, you know, it just shows the need. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, the Trail Accelerator Grant is a, is a program I wish more entities would buy into in terms of having grants available for planning. And, mm -hmm. you know, because We've learned, and it's and I talk about this a lot on this podcast, that when you have these trail plans, it it unlocks money, one, because donors now have the legit vision instead of just pitching them on an idea. You know, they have something they can actually see in front of them. And then two, it just helps getting, you know, elected officials and other government officials that need to potentially approve this stuff that they can understand what is actually what they're actually approving. Again, instead yep. of just an idea, but an actual legit plan, you know, and, and I, it's just something that I think we're lacking a lot in the, at least in the United States that, you know, planning, planning like that, especially like detailed planning can go a long ways for a lot of different areas. Oh, it's so true. And there's very few grants that allow you to use their money for planning, which is really unfortunate. There's more, I feel like there's more coming. There's another one I'm just exploring that that has that potential as well. The city of Chula Vista here has the will right now to do a master trails plan for Chula Vista, uh, which is one of the larger municipalities in, in San Diego. 
And we've been very supportive of that. And they've applied for a couple of different grants and they have an application right in, in right now that we wrote a letter of support to try to get the money for that planning. So I really hope that that comes to fruition. So, you know, we've got Escondido buying in on that, Chula Vista. The city of San Diego is even exploring a master trails plan, which seems like it scares me, but I, I think it's great that they're talking about it. And, you know, I would like Encinitas somewhat has has kind of a master trails plan. Some are really outdated. Uh, the thing is like Cuyamaca Rancho State Park, their last general plan update was in 2015, but they really haven't, they haven't implemented anything. So we're still pushing them. There's a few trails up in Cuyamaca State Park that are in the general plan to be opened to mountain bikes. They're currently signed as not open to mountain bikes. And we, we submitted a formal letter a while ago to have them implement that. And literally some of those segments are small connectors where we literally just need to take the no bike signs down. I'm like, I, I, tell, I tease, I'm like, I have a screwdriver, like I can go take that sign down and then it could be open to mountain bikes. So we just have to keep pushing. But that's a plan from 2015, it's ridiculous. You know, but status quo, the status quo is strong in places. Yes, it is, especially in California <laughs> and Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> I think Wisconsin's like, a sibling of California in terms of access for bikes. And that's one of the mm. reasons why I really, you know, enjoyed having Vernon Huffman on yes. the podcast. I do want to get into the California Mountain Biking Coalition, but before we do that, let's talk about your events. You know, you got, you just <laughs> finished up an event at Mount Laguna and then you have your, I noticed you have your annual photo contest coming up as well. Yeah. Let's talk about some of that stuff that's relevant, like for today in your world. Yeah, for sure. So we do two or three big events a year that are, uh, you know, they're two pronged, right? We, we raise some money for projects, but mostly they're really to bring the community together for people to meet each other, to, you know, do the mountain biking that they love to do together and, and just build our community. But the Trail Fest was uh, two weeks ago. This is the fourth year that we've done it up in Mount Laguna with cooperation with a special permit from the Forest Service. So we get about 400 people up there camping for a couple of nights and riding for three days. And we have some catered meals. And this year, the presenting sponsor was Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, which is always amazing. But we had REI there. We had eight or nine uh, bike demo companies, which was we were bursting at the seams with vendors and bike demos, um, considering that when we did Trail Fest, we eked it out in fall of 2021. So last year. Ibis was the only, the only bike demo company that showed up in 2021. Everybody else couldn't commit because of, you know, supply chain. So uh, Ibis is the one company that gets to say they've been at every single trail fest. And for that, we're grateful. They're awesome. And it was just an amazing time. We had a lot of families come. We had almost 100 kids there. Uh, we had Smokey the Bear come. The Forest Service has a booth. The, the other friends volunteer group has a booth. And it's just an amazing time in the mountains, guided rides. And we do shuttle pickup down Noble, which Trek, our local Trek stores took care of the shuttle. So it's an awesome time. And we raise money for the trail project up there. So already looking forward to next year. I think it's a little too soon, but it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a, it's a labor of love for sure. And then, yeah, we have our photo contest coming up in December. Uh, we do that every year and create a, a calendar poster uh, with all the winners, which everybody loves. And then our big springtime event, which will be April 1st this year, April Fool's Day, is our archipelago ride. And it's a point-to-point -point ride. There's a about a 50-mile route and a 22, 23-mile route from North County down to Mira Mesa. Uh, we ended a brewery, of course, Gravity Heights and have lunch and a uh, little festival and that raises money for trail projects uh, in the city as well. So we call it the archipelago ride, mostly so we can wear grass skirts and, you know, have like a luau stuff, but no, really we call it that because, uh, and it's been going on for, I think this will be the 15th year in 2023. We're linking the islands of open space together. So it's kind of a, just a analogy like, we wish San Diego was more connected and to try to connect 
50 miles of mostly dirt, like 98% dirt from uh, San Alijo in San Marcos all the way down to Mira Mesa is no easy feat. There's a lot of permits required. So anyway, that's why we call it the archipelago ride because we're leaping from island of open space to the next island of open space. <laughs> so it's fun as well. Yeah, just logistically, that's got to be probably difficult too for letting people know the, what the route is, right? Yeah. Yeah, it changes always a little bit every year. The basic route, especially in the south, is pretty pretty straightforward from um, Hodges through to Black Mountain into Penisquitos into Mira Mesa. Is pretty, that doesn't really change that much. Uh, it's the northern sections up in Elfin Forest that are get very complicated. So, yeah, always an adventure. Before we go into the California Mountain Biking Coalition, uh, we've already talked about you know, a lot of your challenges, but is there a particular challenge or threat or lesson that you'd like to point out before we move out of the greater San Diego area? There are uh, a lot of challenges. I think anybody who goes into this sort of work uh, and, you know, Vernon and other people you talk to, I'm sure say the same thing that you have to have a really delicate combination of patience, uh, but tenacity at the same time. And you, you have to understand the bureaucracy, try to understand the bureaucracy and the constraints that the government officials are under, whether it's, you know, lack of staffing, lack of being able to fill a certain position, which is a problem right now. People have, there's openings for trail positions at municipalities and they can't fill them, which is unfortunate. That the processes are long, and you have to just, even if you're frustrated with the agency or whatever, you have to just keep offering help, right? Like we're here to help you. We're not, I mean, we may be pushing you, but we're here to help. How can we, do you need help mapping? Do you need help going out in the field and understanding, you know, user conflict? Do you need to go out and look in the field and see why your signage program is not sufficient? <laughs> like. Do you, do you need help with money for signage? Do you need help? You know, all, just keep offering help. Try to be constructive, even if you're, you know, frustrated uh, behind the scenes. I wish that many municipality, municipality staff, people, and their leadership would understand that trail work is not just uh, somebody with a shovel out or a machine doing things that they're not sometimes not qualified for like trail work is an art trail building is an art it's not you know it's not landscaping it's not you know joe schmo's grading company going out and trying to fix something we've had this problem recently and trying to convince the the municipality leadership that the people they're contracting with do not know what they're doing right and I know maybe that story they, all too well. <laughs> and maybe, uh, maybe, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but there's organizations here in town who get contracted to do work. Most of the time, if it's trail work, is very substandard, and it does more harm than good. So try to trying to educate the staff, people, and those other organizations that they need to get some training and they need to have proper oversight. We've end up we've ended up providing oversight for certain groups that are contracted to do work, but why, why not just hire us, like hire us and get, you know, try to get the job done right instead of, uh, we don't, we don't want to go in and try to fix something that somebody else messed up. And, and that's a, that's a whole nother, that's, that's a huge challenge right now. Yeah. Do you have, and I'm not super familiar with what there is for trail building entities, especially in Southern California, but do you have Various trail building companies that are located in Southern California that are maybe members no. of like the PTBA or anything like that, that you could actually put into a contract for a government agency for, as a qualification? Not that I'm familiar with. So I, I'm sure you're aware that in other parts of the country where there's a lot of new trail building going on in all the hot spots, you know, North Carolina, Tennessee, Bentonville, uh, the upper, some places in the upper Midwest, places in Utah. In Nevada, uh, even some in Northern California, a little bit, but in Southern California, because the opportunities are not 
plentiful. We don't have, that I'm familiar with. There's not like a professional trail building company that's based in Southern California. If somebody out there wants to correct me, I, please connect me because um, there are individuals here in Southern California who are working for private places building trails and they're doing amazing work. But most of us, uh, like that's kind of why we are internally creating our own, although it's small right now, creating our own staff that's able to do the work. So based on the models such as you know, Santa Cruz Mountain Trail Stewardship, they have their own trail building arm and uh, Sierra Buttes. You know, we talk with those guys a lot and we're kind of basing our growth slowly on what they've done. But yeah, to answer your question, no, because they're, the opportunities in Southern California are, are few and far between. And yeah. And, yeah. That's so, definitely a challenge. Yeah. We have a, a project here that's pretty exciting and I've, I've talked about it on other podcasts and we've had meetings on it. So it's very, very exciting. And um, the crew from Global Action Sports Solutions with Jeremy Whitech, he's based in the Midwest, but he's actually on his way out here as we speak to continue work on a, a trails project with the La Jolla Indian Reservation, which is located in far North County up by uh, Mount Palomar. They started work last season, hired by the reservation to build uh, a bike trail system, bike park, basically shuttleable trails. Uh, they've built about a little bit over five miles so far, and it's amazing, progressive, uh, directional, purpose-built for mountain biking, uh, unlike anything that exists in San Diego uh, anywhere. And so they're on their way back out with their machines and their crew, and they're going to get back to work. And we're hoping that in the next few months, we'll be able to take a few people out there and do a soft opening and then not saying a date of when that's going to open yet, but it, it, it should be um, in 2023. I'll just say that. <laughs> Since you brought that up is, you know, and you said the word shuttle, that's, that's another area that I've been diving into a lot on the podcast. Is that a business opportunity that that Native American reservation is looking at expanding on in terms of like what they can offer in that area? Well, in at the La Jolla Indian Reservation, which is the Luceno Band of Indians, uh, they have had a campground there for ages. I used to camp up there when I was a kid. And their main uh, recreation, besides just the camping and the accessibility to Mount Palomar, was that they relied on inner tubing on the San Luis Rey River, which runs right through the campground, which is lovely. But there's not, not enough water to have that be a sustainable rec opportunity really anymore. And they built a zip line. Um, so they have a pretty, you know, a, I think it's got three spans, three span zip line. And then they have always been pretty recreationally minded and it's been talked about for years of doing some kind of a trail project up there and they finally decided to do it and they came to us and said oh well san diego mountain biking association you guys can build the trails for us and we went out there to look and we're like oh this is way over our uh our capability right now or our capacity so we connected them we kind of researched different trail building organizations, professional trail building organizations, like you said, which don't exist in Southern California and uh, put it out there in an RFP, uh, helping the tribe do that. And then they picked Global Action Sports Solutions, which they've been amazing. Uh, Jeremy Whitech is, uh, is the perfect person to be working on that project. Yeah, so the, the tribe will benefit from people visiting, from people using the campground. They have a lot of plans to improve a lot of the infrastructure they have, which what's there is their bathrooms, the campgrounds, lovely. Um, so they, they, there's a foundation already there. It's been there for decades. So there's a lot of opportunity for them to run the shuttles, to um, have like a, a little bike shop with rentals, uh, e-bikes would be allowed, you know, all the things. So it'll, it, I'm super excited about it. It's interesting that you said zip lines too, because that's a, <laughs> That's kind of a, that, that like pools and a couple of other things with me and tennis courts and pickleball, like kind of, <laughs> right. I guess you could say they're kind of trigger words because it's like, yeah. oh, zip lines I, are cool, but you don't, you don't get repeat zip line customers like you do mountain no, bikers. Absolutely not. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Don't, don't say the pickleball word. I just, that's a trigger. <laughs> it's a trigger for me as well. 
Are you yeah. a pickleball player or you just, oh, or you God. just have pickleball no. people approach your uh, public information meetings and yeah, take your no, whole I don't. presentation and re- replace mountain bike with pickleball? Their, their demeanor in public meetings uh, leaves something to be desired here in San Diego. Really, uh, they need to work on their public engagement strategy. They can be aggressive, right? Yeah, very, very. <laughs> well, with that, let's move into the California Mountain Bike Coalition. This is a topic in an area that I hope to explore more of, especially with the California Mountain Bike Coalition on the podcast, because I think we, you know, there's a handful of states out there that have really model coalitions like this. One of them being, you know, Vermont. One of them being Washington, and then and then there's regions too, like Sorba down in the southeast, which has you know a lot of spinoff organizations underneath that organization. But let's talk about your coalition because it's probably the newest one. How it formed, why it formed and the importance of it. Yeah, um, it's uh, another labor of love between um, many of us who have been friends uh, and writing buddies and advocacy associates for a long time. So I'm a founding board member and we really over the years have gotten together at various events, say, you know, run into each other at Sea Otter or there's an annual conference that's run by state parks. That's the California Trails and Greenways Conference that I've gone to now for eight years or so and ran into, you know, Steve Messer from Corba or Vernon from Access for Bikes or Jake Bayless from Sonoma County, various people, Austin McInerney, formerly of NICA, you know, different people from the Bay Area. And all of us were frustrated with state parks you know, even when we're at their conference and we would let them know how frustrated we were with the seeming lack of action or improvement on trails uh, or engagement with volunteers or whatever it was. And so in 2018, at that conference, we really started to talk about, like have a vision, literally over beers, probably too many beers, but literally having a vision of how California could have a state wide representation, uh, mountain biking or trail advocacy organization. And then in 2019, the event was up in Ronert Park, uh, Sonoma. And we had just all the people in the room intentionally like made sure we're like, we're going to have some side meetings about this idea and really try to start to formalize the vision, you know, wrote some stuff down on paper, you know, started to brainstorm names, who's going to make the logo, where are the stickers, you know, getting down to the real nitty gritty of like, how are we going to form? How are we going to incorporate? Who's got a lawyer that'll, you know, help us incorporate all those things that you do when you're forming a nonprofit. So at that Ronert part meeting, we kind of came up with a, a real solid committee. It wasn't a board yet at that time, but a solid committee who was going to work on some of these things. The people that I mentioned, uh, and Matthew Blaine from San Francisco Urban Writers as well, and Kevin Loomis, who's a board member here in San Diego, was on the board at that time as well for California. And we talked to a lot of people. We talked to people from Vermont. We, we were uh, talking to uh, people up Evergreen in Washington. And we decided intentionally that if we wanted to be an organization uh, that had member organizations that were mostly 501c3s, if we were going to make any impact that we really needed to form as a 501c4. So for people that may not be familiar with nonprofit stuff, a C3, most nonprofits are a C3. You can take tax deductible donations, but you cannot really endorse or lobby or propose legislation, any of that kind of stuff. But as a C4, you can do those things. And donations are not tax deductible to a C4, but you can do more political action. And so that's what we felt we needed, especially when uh, dealing with state parks was, was a huge focus of what we were going to do. So we did it during COVID. It, it turned out to be a, actually a good time because we more of us had more downtime since we weren't able to do volunteer work out in the, the field as much uh, and things were just quiet at home. So we worked with a lawyer, got all the paperwork done and uh, formed the board. And we have weekly calls. After I get done with you, I have a call with one of the committees uh, for CMTB. But for 
almost three years, the board, the founding board was having uh, weekly calls every Wednesday at noon. And we, which is an inordinate amount of uh, time investment, but we needed it to get it off the ground. And so now we have 30, almost 30 member organizations, trail organizations from tiny, tiny ones to, to real big ones and uh, bringing people on all the time. We had a presence at Sea Otter last year and we'll do that again this spring. And we've been involved in conferences. We have a presence. Our executive director, Michael Anzalone, is amazing. He's been on you know public state park commission meetings in person, giving public comment, elevating the, the presence of mountain biking as a legitimate recreation form at the highest levels of state parks, uh, state government, Sacramento, lobbying, uh, working with a couple of different lobbyists, uh, getting in front of elected officials, endorsing candidates. We just put out uh, a couple of weeks ago our uh, endorsement list for certain races in California. If people want to find that, they can go to cntd.org. But it's a whole different level of work. And it really has actually inspired me. Like, you know, I still have plenty to keep me busy here locally in San Diego, but that work on a larger level, helping smaller organizations that may want to staff up or they need help understanding how they get insurance or they may need help, you know, figuring out how to plan an event. And I'm happy to help those smaller organizations try to learn how to do these things that I have a little bit of um, experience in. And all of us do. Vernon, uh, everyone's very generous with their time with our member organizations to help them build up their capacity. You know, the legislative part of it is something I'm learning every day. But this real quick, this AB 1789 that uh, was a trails bill that got passed, signed by the governor this past season was really watered down from what we had originally um, worked on. But I think it it elevated trails to a super high level, like in the state Senate, in the state assembly, them talking about trails and money for trails and how important it is for access for people to do you know, have trails in their community. And so there's a lot more work to do there, but we feel that that was a success and money, money got allotted uh, through different channels, $35 million into the recreational trails program. And that's huge. That's huge. And so that's what we wanted. And, and it's a, it's a beast. It's a beast of work. We're looking always for, we need to add to our board on the California mountain biking coalition. So if you're in California, and if you're affiliated with a, a trail organization that's a member or wants more information on being a member, I'm happy to provide that information and connect you with Michael. But even if you're not, we have a board member right now who's really not even affiliated with a, a organization. He's just a passionate advocate in his area. And so um, he joined the board and he's been an amazing asset. So we're definitely looking for people who want to really have a bigger vision for trails in California. I want to back up and hit on one thing that you've pointed out more than once in talking about the California Mountain Biking Coalition, and that is that you you meet weekly. Yeah. So I think that's something where you can't you can't overstate how important that is when getting an organization of that magnitude to be successful. Yeah. Like people can talk once a month or once quarterly, but I'd like to maybe have you just talk about you know, what type of things you talk about at a weekly meeting <laughs> to highlight the importance of that? So we have a, a cadence now where we have a solid committees set up. That was kind of a goal over this past, the past several months. We, we solidified our committees uh, with leads for each committee. And so now we're on a little bit different cadence. So we have a general board meeting once a month. Um, and then these committee, committees have a staggered cadence each Wednesday. Um, which seems to, it alleviates a little bit of that scheduling time. But in the formational years, when we were meeting every Wednesday, we were working on development and fundraising, you know, how, how we're going to strategize to reach out to corporations for support, to uh, what grants we might be able to get, you know, who the individual donors might be in California who have the ability and the resources to really support the work and and then how do we divide that up? Like, okay, here's our, we each have certain people we can reach out to, but you have to plan that out. So it's strategic, right? As far as development and fundraising. And then how do we even go about entering into the, 
the business of Sacramento, the legislative business, what's already on the docket, working with these lobbyists who have been amazing and teaching us, you know, what's already been proposed, what's in the works, how can we work with legislators to impose more trail language into certain bills? We talked a lot about that. And then we talked about, you know, how do we communicate to the trail organizations in California that this work is important for them. I mean, everybody's buried in their local work. Santa Cruz is buried in their local work. I'm buried here in San Diego stuff. Everybody has their own stuff, but you have to back up. Hopefully everybody has the capacity to back up just a little bit and see why it's important to put your name on a statewide trail organization and be involved. And at least we have a Slack channel that has all kinds of resources and all you know different channels about e-bikes and state parks and forest service and trails planning and you know a job board like we have all this stuff on slack which has been an amazing tool but engaging people that way and making them understand that even though they're really busy everybody's really busy thinking about trails in california from the top down from sacramento down is super important super important so i mean that's some of the things that we would strategize and talk about among you know many other things but well, and you had to strategize, you talked about fundraising, but you, you know, pretty quickly, you guys hired an executive director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that person full-time yet or are they still part-time? I know it was part-time initially, correct? Full-time right now. Uh, and we're gearing up for uh, doing a lot of outreach right now um, with all kinds of different people who may be able to contribute. We've had some generous corporate support, but I feel there's more out there and I feel there's so many passionate trail users who live in California who who travel all over to ride. You know, I have many friends. They go to Tahoe, they go to Downeyville, they go up to Northern California, they go to Santa Cruz, they come down to San Diego, they go, you know, all the places that we love. And I feel that we need to find the people who have the capacity to help support CMTB. But you know, fundraising is always a challenge. It's always a challenge. But having somebody paid staff who can keep track of everything, can wrangle the cats, can call the meetings, can can govern the committees, you know, plus go to Sacramento, plus be at these meetings. It's it it has to happen. Like you you have to have somebody there who's running the day to day and strategizing and helping, you know, keep our board engaged and, you know, staying on the important stuff. So development is always the thing you know, all of us in nonprofit, it's what we constantly work on, constantly work on looking for people who want to support the mission. Yeah. Anybody else? I'll give a plug. Anybody who wants to donate to the California Mountain Biking Coalition, the website is CAMTB.org. You can donate uh, uh, one time. You can do $10 a month. Super easy. Never notice it. uh, And it would really help. So thanks. (laughs) With that, as we wrap this thing up, what do you have for closing comments or any parting words of wisdom from Susie Murphy? In the time that I've been in this job, I have seen so many organizations, uh, including Stimba, across the state and across the country. Because I, you know, I get I travel around when I can. I get to Bentonville or I'm on calls with different organizations, whether, you know, it's a call with people for bikes and there's other trail organizations on there or, um, but I, I'm in contact with a lot of different people. And I think all of us are just raising the tide and raising the, improving the perception of mountain bikers that it's a legitimate activity. It's not just a sport, it's a legitimate recreational activity that needs to be considered equally with any other trail activity. It is not a side hustle. It is not a sub group. It is the group. It is the group that's raising the money, doing the work, helping the entities and the agencies. We're, we're the ones doing the work. And there are so many mountain bikers who are, are riding the trails, taking advantage of the staging areas, coming to events and they're still not members. Like if you're not a member or at least throwing $10 a year, which is the minimum at your local trail organization, there is no excuse in my book for that. You know, there's a lot of different styles of riding. 
And I would say a challenge we have in San Diego is a perception that that we are not advocating for certain types of writing, whether that's despite our position that we are not uh, pro e-bike, even though our position statement says we we think that class one e-bikes are okay on most trails. Same as IMBA, same as people for bikes, like we're all on the same page, same as CAMTB. Uh, so, you know, e-bikers, like learn, come along, like come to a meeting, learn about what is going on. I have a county meeting tonight, a virtual county meeting that they're doing about e-bikes. We'll see how that goes. Or that we're not representing progressive riders, that we're not representing racers. We don't put on races, but we have local promoters who we, we encourage and support and they put on races. That's their job, it's not my job. But that we don't have the ability right now uh, with the policies and regulations in place to build a downhill park on public land in San Diego. But guess what? La Jolla Indian Reservation is. They are. So how lucky are we that the tribe has decided to buy in on that? And we're happy to be advising on that project. So, you know, the perception that, oh, well, Stimba doesn't do this for me, or they're not helping my kind of writing is, is uh, I think, ill-informed. And I'll just say that. And I, I would welcome and invite anybody anywhere, please find your local trail organization and support them. Become a member. You know, you said the words activity and sport, and I have purposely <laughs> changed my vocabulary from using the word mountain biking as a sport to mountain biking as an activity for that reason. Yeah, we don't use the word sport. It's, um, I mean, there's a very small percentage of people that race. I used to race. I raced for 10 years. My husband raced for 10 years. You know, high school racing, super popular, amazing. But the majority of people are doing it as a, a healthful outdoor for their well-being as an activity, as a legitimate recreational activity. And that's what it is. It is not a sport. Yes. It can be a sport, but overarching it, but it's an overarching activity, just like any other outdoor recreation activity. Right. Exactly. exactly. Or indoor recreation activity for that matter. Exactly. Exactly. And when we're an activity. <laughs> yeah. When we're, you know, when we're, uh, you know, trying to advocate for a bike park or, uh, other whatever, like we, we intentionally say this is a legitimate activity for, for people of all ages. You know, you can go to the bike park on any given day, Sweetwater Bike Park, and there's kids that are, you know, 18 months, and then there's a guy that's 70, right? Like, it, it's, it's one of the most, as age range or diversity of people or diversity of bikes, like, you go over there, there's BMX bikes, there's dirt jumpers, there's mountain bikes, there's Lord knows, you know, you know, uh, we just, it's such a diverse activity in so many ways, how you engage what you're you know, your type of riding bike packers. Like I have some friends out on the AZT and there's an Arizona trail race right now. Like there's so many things and I, I love it all. Like I don't, I'm agnostic when it comes to whatever kind of bike you're on. Like it's great. And, and people need to, there's a lot of niche, a uh, niche conversations going on. Like, well, I'm just a downhiller or I'm just an enduro bro, or I'm just, I only ride park. Well, no, you need to think of the bigger picture. I don't have kids. I don't have kids. So why should a bike park bother to matter to me? It's like, well, you know, some of us have a bigger vision for, to include everybody. So there you go. I'll get <laughs> because those kids are the future of access. Of course. That's, that's just one reason right there. Of course. Of course. <laughs> well, Susie, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy week and sitting down with the trail effect podcast and, and providing a lot of your knowledge and wisdom that you've learned in the San, in San Diego County. And I know that's a challenging place from, uh, access issues and, and it's not just access because it's mountain biking. It's just access because of a, you know, limited amount of resources such as land. Cause there's so many people. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, San Diego is a, a, a great place, but it is complicated, but thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Well, with that. Hopefully you can still get out on your bike this week. It sounds like you're probably full for the day, but I'm sure you'll be getting out soon. I, I will. I, the weather's beautiful right now. I need to get out there. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed on the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode features Cody Wilkins of Census Rad Trails. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show 
and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review, as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect podcast. I'd also like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. If you have ideas in future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.